Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport, from where we podcast to you right now on the Eurosport broadcast balcony, where Catherine Whitaker has just been speaking to Martina Navratilova as part of the Eurosport coverage, following Caroline Wozniacki's incredible three-set win. She is a Grand Slam champion, and that has been a long time coming, and she's just going into studio after studio I believe she's about to speak to Eurosport no doubt but what a moment I mean one of the all-time moments I would say and it was always going to be no matter what the outcome a Halep win a Wozniacki win from I, I don't know it was clear that it was going to be that kind of a moment from early on in the second set maybe even a bit before that but uh, I'll put my thoughts about Samena Halep on hold for a moment because Caroline Wozniacki has just emerged from the ESPN studio with the trophy in hand. I think she's now headed into the Eurosport studio. Martina was there waiting for her to uh, pass on her congratulations. It just gets better and better. You've won a Grand Slam. You're world number one. You've just been congratulated by Martina Navratilova. I mean, life is good for <laughs> Caroline Wozniacki right now. It sure is. It sure is. And uh, there is a, a kind of kinship between Grand Slam champions, isn't there? And you can tell that... I've seen this with John McEnroe wanting to greet Grand Slam champions after they've just broken through and done it. It's rarefied air. Not that many people know about it. And and Martina there wanted to just share the moment with her for, for a second, give her her congratulations, because she would also know, and, and we've seen it before with Ivan Lendl when he had a long wait for his first title... Mary Carrillo last night comparing on our show Simona to Andy Murray that the weight all this sort of thing it, it's it's hard for, for these players sometimes isn't it but what strikes me first reaction is just an enormous asterisk has just been removed from Caroline Wozniacki's biography forever she is she's done it now she's not world number one she's won a slam and and she's fully deserving yeah, she's had to wait a long time to, to lay those demons to rest, hasn't she? Eight years, the longest gap between stints uh, at world number one. She was there for 64 weeks, I think, last time uh, last time around, and she had an absolute barrage of, of 
criticism, or certainly the ranking system had the barrage of criticism. It wasn't her fault. She was world number one. Uh, it was her fault, I suppose, she didn't win the Grand Slam title. But the situation was criticised hugely, and she was the face of that situation. And she's dealt with that a long time. She, I mean, her her career was on the. I mean, on the decline is a huge um, under underestimate no huge um understatement that's the word huge understatement she was ranked close to 80 in the world and uh, people were questioning whether she was even that interested in tennis she was uh, she ran the london um the new york marathon didn't she and i thought well that's amazing but that surely is not a sensible thing to do if you're serious about a tennis career but here she is 2018 a grand slam champion the wta finals champion the world number one i mean she is. I mean, when was she last beaten? <laughs> when did she last lose a tennis match? Yeah, it's it's. Well, she lost one in in the sort of warm up tournament yes, here, of course, of course yeah. to Yulia Gergas. But you know, you're right. I mean, she's just won the last two big titles that have been played on the WTA tour. And seeing Grigor Dimitrov try to back up the ATP finals, it's not easy. Uh, absolutely not, because all that comes with it is just a heck of a lot of extra pressure, which. Um, you know, that nobody needs extra pressure, do they? And and at five one forty fifteen down, um, boy, was the pressure on. But yes, of course, that's because she was match points down, wasn't she? Down, early on, in the second round, um, yeah, she's not the first person to to win a Grand Slam or even this title from match points down. Angelique Kerber did it two years ago, but it's the first time we've ever had two players that have come from match points down along the way in a Grand Slam final. Halep would have been the first. Uh, to win, having saved match points in two previous matches, but but that statistic will uh, have to wait uh, another day. I just I want I want a piece of the joy that Caroline Wozniacki is experiencing right now. It must be so unadulterated. So she knows she's had plenty of time to think about it and appreciate it and know what it means. And again, you know, the reaction no sort of. Uh, yeah, I d- sometimes when you achieve, maybe this is this is just me or a certain personality type sometimes when you achieve really great things in life or when you've been looking forward to something for so so long when it actually comes you, there's almost I don't know there's almost like a weird kind of a sadness I don't think anyone's created a word for it and I don't get the feeling that there'll be even a hint of that for Caroline Wozniacki right now she knows absolutely that she has worked as hard as she possibly could she's won it the right way not that there's a wrong way but I mean if you could script a way to do it you'd script this one and um, she knows she's got the, the, the world number one ranking as well. She knows there's no, no stick anyone can beat her with anymore. And no. how liberating. It, it is. Um, the reaction as well, I think, summed all of what you've just set up, really. If you'd have seen the pictures of her throw the racket in the air, fall on her back, burst into tears, and then talk so candidly, so honestly, such, with such raw emotion uh, about how nervous she'd been before and, and how her fiancé had helped her to, to keep calm earlier on today and, and just what it meant to her. It's very, it must be so difficult, I think, to give these sort of speeches when you are, you know, when you're so overwhelmed, frankly. Yeah, I, and when she walked down that champion's tunnel onto the court, she looked like she was absolutely bricking it for me. For somebody that is so good at putting a game face on, for somebody that's so good at 
switching a flick and, and having a, a gloss and, and bluffing it and faking it, a lot of the time she looked like she was absolutely, she looked sick. She looked at, a little, the colour seemed to drain from her face as she was walking. And that was before things had even got particularly tense you know if you told her you were going to be four three down in the deciding set imagine how sick she'd have felt then the words bricking it on the tennis podcast for the first time in 388 <laughs> I episodes i love it that is the first time David. <laughs> it's not going to be the last um can we just spare a little moment i feel like it should almost be a moment of silence really for simona hallett because well let's just I, talk I about the, it david i can't go, let's just talk about the match going through right now. first of all i mean the match itself i think deserves some coverage here because it was an amazing tennis match. Take aside the storylines, which were a plenty. The the first set saw Wozniacki burst into a lead, and then I'm suddenly looking at the last four sets they've played, which were six four, six one, six love, six two, and then it was three love. And and I'm really worried. And some, I think Ben Rothenberg put up the 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 beatdowns that that Simona Halep has suffered this year or this last year. And sometimes really one-sided, uncomfortable score lines. And I thought, please, let's not have that. Because the last thing you want her to do is not do herself justice. And she came back into it, forced the tie-break, lost the tie-break, won the second set. And I don't think I've seen those two athletes who are... They must be the fittest athletes on the WTA circuit, those two. Uh, the, the, the best movers. They've got everything as athletes, really. There's not a corner of the court they can't cover. I've n- I don't think I've ever seen them look as hot and bothered as they did out there. They were perspiring facially. You know, there was just this perpetual glow of, I'm so hot and it's so humid and I'm so tired. And, and I really, I, I thought it was one of the, one of the great physical achievements to get through that match i'd say glow is a very flattering way <laughs> of, of describing um yeah w- w- what their faces were emitting during that match i mean humidity like tonight it's 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 not about heat or how you feel it's um it produces a kind of claustrophobia um a claustrophobic feeling of and everything the intensity of everything you're experiencing is is amplified you know and and i say that from from my very modest experiences all of those are amplified so <laughs> the amplification of already um already highly um emotive and testing uh, um emotions and and physical feelings is i mean it's I can barely contemplate it. That point, that shot from Wozniacki to set up match point, will I'm not sure I'll ever forget that that point. It it, it took my breath away. I could pick out plenty, but that, that was the second to last point of the match. So obviously it's um it's really really sticking in my mind. And that's the other thing is that that's where it brings into focus the the ability of these two players to move because shots that are winners against other people. It was reminiscent in feel to the Djokovic Nadal final here uh, you know the one that was over five hours long it had that feeling of well I, I said it midway through the third set oh no you know my mum always says this somebody's got to lose this and that doesn't feel fair um, and, and, and actually I mean the one thing is Halep was a break up 4-3 in that decider and Wozniacki immediately took a medical time out any issues with that? She's walking towards us right now, so if I do have issues, I'm going to wait just a couple of moments. She's disappeared into the uh, Channel, Channel 7, 7. studio. Um, so, yes, I can now be frank. Um, look, she asked for the trainer at 3-all, 
Um, there is sort of an unwritten rule of sportsmanship that you shouldn't take a medical time out before your opponent is due to serve, which is what happened in this case. But she did ask for the trainer at, at, at three all, and then it came um, after that game. I potentially have an issue with it. I'm not sure we're ever going to know how... That said, Samantha Hannah had one as well, didn't she? Midway through the second set, I think? She did, yeah, and we'll never know how tactical that one may or may not... Roger Federer had one a couple of times last year. We have to accept that this happens and it is allowed. The most interesting thing about that one is, I think it was the one um, before the fifth set against Fabrinka where he actually confessed to it being... 90% 90% tactical. He said that he wanted to just... Everybody does it, and I thought I would. Yeah, wanted to sort of look himself in the mirror and, and do what Andy Murray did. Uh, not a medical timeout. He had a bathroom break, didn't he, before his fifth set in the US Open 2012 final. And, and uh, um, he said he gave himself a talking to in the mirror, didn't he? So, look, we know it happens. It's an uncomfortable, sort of unsatisfactory situation. I don't think it's what we should be focusing on as the main thing but it is definitely worth mentioning because Halep was sitting there 4-3 up two games away with everything to think about thinking about the French Open final you know thinking about being in winning positions and losing everything that she's dreamed of and all I can hope is that this is less painful than Paris because she left absolutely everything out there. Okay, she was a breakup, but it's not the same as being a set and three love up and completely in control and surrendering that control. I don't think she did that much wrong tonight. She didn't. She, she, she played mean, brilliantly. She played brilliantly. She, I mean, she she found something physically that not many human beings could find. She didn't. She left everything out there, and I hope that that is a comfort rather than. Um, a painful thought. I know, because the heart was breaking for her at the end there, wasn't it? That having been said... My mum was there, David. I hate it when they lose. I know Wozniacki's dad was there. I know the parents are usually there, but I, I can't bear it. Yeah, I know. That all said, to me, the reaction that she had was one of, I've just got to keep doing the right things here. And... Again, the tangents are there with Andy Murray. He went through all this. Let's not forget the 2010 final here when he said, you know, was it that one where he said, I can cry like Roger, I just can't play like him? And, uh, and, and he was devastated. And then he had the one in 2012 when he lost the Wimbledon final. That was his fourth. Simon Halep's had three. But he did it on his fifth one. He did it. And if there's any justice in this world, Simona Halep will have her moment. Absolutely. Hands down, the, the best player, um, best WTA player never to have won a Grand Slam. That's probably an awful title to hold. Um, but she's, she's so far and away better than any other non-Grand Slam winning um, female player that it, it just can't not happen. Some, they'll have to give her an honorary Grand Slam title if, if she doesn't win one. You know, you get like honorary university doctorates which seem to be utterly meaningless. I don't never quite understood them. Um, but, yeah, so, something will have to be done. The, the tennis gods will have to intervene. Um, so, yeah, I hope these things are comforting to her. It sounds pitiful, doesn't it? Because she's probably, I don't know, in the depths of despair right now. But, yeah, I, I hope there's uh, some comfort there eventually. For but congratulations, Caroline Wozniacki, because, you know... It's, it's a great story in its own.
It's a wonderful story and it's wonderful to see that much joy in a human being and as I say for it to be just completely untempered joy I think that's a pretty rare thing you know we didn't quite see that when Andy Murray won his first Grand Slam title in the US Open in 2012 there were there were other things going on there was disbelief there was sort of stress at how to manage the, the he was in situation. shock he was in he was in shock he was in disbelief he um, couldn't find the watch in his bag, had forgotten to put the watch on. You know, I, I remember speaking to um, to some Getty, to some photographers after that and <laughs> how crushingly disappointed they were in his reaction because the photos were, were rubbish, you know. You want the the Caroline Wozniacki flat on her back on, on the floor with the, with the racket tossed to one side. That's a photo. You yeah, know. that's um, an awesome photo. So, yeah, I think there's something pretty special and rare, even among Grand Slam champions, to see that kind of pure joy. We'll get on to the men's final and preview that very shortly. Just a couple of other words here. Um, the doubles title was won yesterday by Tamer Babosh and Kristina Mladenovic, who's had a miserable time on the singles court. So, you know, they beat Alina Visnina and Ekaterina Makarova. That is a heck of an achievement. That is a good doubles team they beat. And, you know, it's nice to see Mladenovic get some, get some happiness on a tennis court. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Usually, you know, we, 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 it's a talking point, you know, how much success and, and commitment to doubles can improve your singles game. And it, I, she's been a very good doubles player for a long time. This isn't her first Grand Slam title. Um, but it is rare to, for, to be experiencing two such extremes in the two different forms of the sport. And it makes you think that it surely has to turn around. Now, on the one hand, she's got her favourite surface of, of clay coming up relatively soon. On the other hand, that's where she has all the points to defend. Her ranking could drop off a cliff if she doesn't start getting some results. So, um, yeah, she needs to channel that that doubles success big time. She does. She does. But well done to that uh, pair for their doubles triumph. Also, junior boys champion today. Always a great story when you see a junior win a title, but this one's particularly poignant because 20 years after Petr Korda won the singles title here, his son has won the junior title, Sebastian Korda, who celebrated with the same scissor kick that Petr Korda <laughs> used to do exactly when he beat Marcelo Rios to win this title in 1998. And... They've also, I mean, what a sporting family they are because he has a, he has a sister who's won the Australian Open golf. Um, his other sister is a, is a very talented golfer as well. I mean, that is some story. Yeah, what does their mum do? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it can't all be Peter Corder's genes, can it? I mean, I'm sure know, they're good sporting genes. I'm but... fairly sure she is a sports person as well. Right, well, um, that but, would but make total hun- sense. I, I, you know, I seem to remember it back in the day when he was winning Grand Slam titles. She was in the support team box, and, and I, I, I can't remember 100%. But, you know, there, there are some serious genes there that have been at play. And plus, I mean, I know Peter Corder a little bit, and, and he, I remember when they were very young, and he, he was... Are 100% invested in their own sporting careers. And, you know, but not, in, I mean, my sense was not in a, an aggressive, overbearing way, just a supportive way, laying the foundations. And, uh, well, that's, that's pretty exciting to, to, to be able to chart his success. And how old is he? I think he's 19. 19. Like so an old for a junior. Maybe, actually, maybe not that. Maybe that it's his sister that's 19. Maybe he's younger than that. But uh, anyway, great, great story. And congratulations to Sebastian Corder. 
Uh, a word as well about Dylan Alcott, who won uh, today. Um, I mean, his stats are, are extraordinary. And, and I noticed last night when uh, when Federer had the early win against uh, Hyun Chung, Dylan Alcott came out to play in, in in front of the full crowd and everybody stayed. And, I mean, this guy is such a star here. He is. He's all over the adverts, isn't he? He does a banking advert here. I think he does another advert as well. He's got a Nike deal. And that's blooming great. He's leading the way, isn't he, for... Um, for for wheelchair for disability athletes and um, I remember him uh, meeting Andy Murray here last year he was doing some work for Channel 7 um, the uh, host broadcaster here alongside um, his playing uh, and we just had this lovely meeting with Andy Murray they had to film this little skit thing um, of course this time last year it was the first tournament Andy Murray had played since being knighted and they had to film what was a fairly cringy <laughs> knighthood-based skit involving, as I recall, a plastic sword. Um, but it was all done in such great humour and the respect and admiration from, from Andy Murray was, was very evident and, and rightly so. And uh, we said this a couple of times uh, on the podcast, but if you ever get the opportunity to, to watch wheelchairs, I don't know anybody that hasn't been exposed to it and often it'll sort of be accidentally exposed you know maybe like a lot of the the crowd in here were last night I don't think anyone ever goes oh that's not as good as I thought it was going to be I'm not sure anyone's ever had that reaction so if you ever get the chance then um, check it out yeah that was Dylan Alcott in the quad wheelchair singles I also had an opportunity before the uh, singles final took place to watch most of the men's wheelchair singles final between Canada and Houday. I mean, it was an amazing match. Houday was winning 5-1 in the third set and Canada come back, came back to win it on a tiebreaker. It was incredible. The rallies they were having, the atmosphere, the, 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 the drive of the two players. I mean, it looked like they would have, they would have just done anything to win. They are both extraordinary stories. Shingo Kaneda, uh, I think, I don't think he's world number one at the moment, but has been in the. He was world number one for many, many years. He kept winning the uh, the ITF World Champion uh, Award. And uh, Stefan Hude, what do he and Roger Federer have in common, David? I don't know. They both have two sets of twins. Who really? And uh, they have a real bond over it. They always stop and chat and compare notes. They're the only people each of them know. That's a better fact than your crocodile one. They have two sets of twins. It's not better than the crocodile one. It's way better. Actually, somebody uh, shedding some doubt on whether that's that's accurate or whether you might have been given a line by that, uh, that crocodile handler. Take it up with the crocodile handler. Yeah, well, I believe you, is all I can say. Um, especially the way you're looking at me. Um, Sebastian Corder, just very quickly, let's just check his age. He's 17, incidentally. Oh. So now a we, we know. A wee, a wee baby. A wee baby. So the men's singles final is tomorrow. It is Roger Federer against Marin Cilic. And I, earlier on today had chance to go to the legends lunch which was a fun, is a fantastic occasion you know they 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 were honoring one of the players he's coming out again david just i feel like you know if the trophy's going to be paraded past us by caroline Wozniacki one more time there she goes there she goes sorry yeah, david so there, there so is caroline grand slam champion before yeah, our eyes that's right caroline Wozniacki is a grand slam champion just to remind you not that you did need, need much reminding but yes we will have another grand slam champion tomorrow it will either be one bloke who's won it 
won 20 of the things if, uh, if he manages to win it, or it'll be the other fella who's trying to win only his second. Um, but that's not bad either, is it? Anyway, this, this Legends lunch that I was at, it was honouring the Australian great Mal Anderson, who in 1957 was the first unseeded player to win the US National Singles Championship. He played on the Davis Cup team and he helped uh, the Australians claim the 1957 and 1973 championships, both in the United States. In that wonderful um, occasion, that wonderful lunch, Marin Cilic, uh, or rather Marin Cilic's former coach, Goran Ivanisevic, was there. I had a chance to speak to him. And he, he, he told me about what he thought Cilic needed to do and what he said to him when he sent Cilic out to beat Federer in that US Open. And he, and he said, you know, he's playing that sort of level of tennis. He said, when I sent him out there, I just said, relax. You just need to relax and play your normal game. And as Alex Karetsha just pops up for a quick chat, let's, past let's find out what know, he thinks is going to happen. If he didn't mind whether he was invited on, but we know, we know. In the men's singles <laughs> final, what do you think, Alex? Hello, everyone. First of all, men's finals, uh, final. Uh, I believe everybody feels like Federer is the big favourite. I do think so too. Of course, we know that Marin's been playing an unbelievable tournament, very aggressive, moving so well, you know. And uh, oh, it's Mats Philander. Yeah, uh, he's here as well. Hello, Mats. Yes, hey. He's leaving. He's tired. He's been working so hard the whole 15 days. Um, no, so I was saying that I, even if Silic is moving much better, which I think is one of the, his improvements, you know, his forehand is way more aggressive more solid than before he used to make some more mistakes his backhand cross court is impressive me so much because he plays so deep and so much to the sides to the tram lines and I think it's uh, difficult for the opponents to get his backhand like it happened to Kyle Edmond the other night mm. uh, I'm not so sure about his second serve sometimes I feel like he doesn't go that much for it while Federer does it so I think Federer is moving faster than him so I, I really see it very difficult for Marin very difficult for Marion. Just quickly, one of the people I spoke to earlier today was Wayne Ferreira, who was one of the few players who had a winning record against Roger Federer. Two wins, one defeat. Long time ago, but still, two wins. And we were talking last week about how you had beaten Roger Federer more than once. How did you do it? Uh, playing so high to his backhand, <laughs> especially on clay. A bit like yeah. Rafa, but with the backhand and your case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was younger. He was making a little bit of mistakes with his backhand up high into his shoulder. And you know what happened? I beat him like fourth round of the French, year 2000, and then quarters in 2001. And when I went off the court, I was like in the players' lounge, and my dad came to me, and he said, well, this kid, he plays okay, no? And I'm like, <laughs> what, you playing? what do you mean he plays okay? I said, he plays unbelievable. He said, yeah, but so many shanks with the backhand side. And I'm like, yeah, because I was playing so high to his backhand. That was the only chance I have to beat him, you know. And he said, no, his forehand and serve were good, but not too solid from the backhand side. So I think Roger improved that. And I said to him, listen, this kid, he is going to be amazing. And after, uh, actually, three weeks after, he beat Sampras on grass and Wimbledon. Yeah, he did beat Sampras on grass at Wimbledon. But 
Alex Koretsha will forever remember beating Roger Federer many times. I just, I'm not for a moment suggesting that Goran wasn't giving you the whole truth earlier, David, but he must have said more to Marin Cilic than just relax. I don't know about you, but when someone tells me to relax, it is the most unrelaxing thing <laughs> that anyone can possibly... It's not like someone tells you to relax and you go, oh, all right then. I, I can suddenly, vouch for that. I tell I, you all the time. I suddenly feel relaxed. Thank you very much. He must have said more than that. He must have. Of course. What did he say? Yeah, I mean, it's tough when they say relax or enjoy. They say, ah, go out there and enjoy. Yeah, enjoy. You think of Caroline or Halep, did they enjoy it tonight? Tough. It is potentially, it's nice to feel like, okay, you just go there and try to play your game. But you don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know how the, the speed of the opponent is going to be, you know. So you always have some nerves. And it is nice to feel, okay, it's okay. Just relax, go out there and try to play your game. But, of course, then you need to know how to play. Because if you don't know, even if you're very relaxed, you see that your opponent is playing better than you and you have no tactics. So I think for sure they talk about tactics. But mainly he said, OK, then forget about it and just play your game and relax in a way. Well, when I spoke to Goran, he said, I think Marin will go out there and play properly, play the sort of tennis he should play, big man's tennis. He says, I think his game can hurt Federer. But he said, I still think Federer in five. Uh, I usually don't do predictions as you like, as you <laughs> love. That's what but, we're all about, Alex. Yeah, but, uh, no, uh, you know, I said before, I think Roger, he has the remote control from the TV. You know what I mean with that? You know, you, when you're watching TV and you have the remote control, that means that you change whenever you want. So I feel like Marin, of course, he has a chance to win. Of course. I mean, definitely he does. But I still feel that uh, Roger... He's got a lot of variation, you know. He improved a lot his backhand on the line, which it helps a lot his game. He's using his slice to go uh, low to Marin's backhands, and then he will turn around with the forehand, you know. Uh, from forehand to forehand, I think Roger he will hurt a little bit more Marin because he moves a little bit faster, so he will open up a little bit more the core. And then uh, Roger's forehand down the line, it's also very dangerous, you know. So And also, like, second serve from Roger, I think he goes for it much more than he used to do. Like a little bit like Sampras, you know, when he went for it a lot. Trusts it. Yeah, I, it's something that they feel like, OK, now I can go for it, you know, so. Nick Kyrgios has brought that back into fashion, hasn't he? Going for the second serve, going for broke on the second serve. Yeah, but serve. that's not going for the second serve. That's hitting another first serve. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's hitting probably one of my best serves ever. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to go for Roger Federer in five but I, but do you know what I think it's going to go five and it really could go I, I, I don't feel that confident about either way because I, I think Chilic might might be able to find a way we've got another broadcast going on here so we'll keep our voices down what do you think Catherine? I think that Caroline Wozniacki is about to walk right past us I think that's what this man wearing the gloves is uh, informing these broadcasters I see and I think he's wearing the gloves because he is doing some trophy holding Oh, yeah, he and is. you're not allowed to hold... Only champions can hold the trophy gloveless. Fun fact. Really? I mean, we don't have gloves and we're not <laughs> a champions, so we better stick with the I microphone. Think, I don't think we're going to be offered the chance to hold. What do I think? I think it's not going to be a Wimbledon final all over again. I think it's going to be a match. Um, Wozniacki Halep-esque. Yeah, but I... Sorry, Marin. I do think um, I do think it's going to be Federer. Probably in five, yeah. I think Federer in five is... Probably, I mean, they, they've both got plenty in the tank still, haven't they? They can afford a five-setter. She's about to walk past us, David. Yeah, the first glimpse 
of Caroline Wozniacki as Grand Slam champion as she walks towards us holding and we say goodbye to Alex Karetcher who's been a wonderful sport yet again we love the guy and here comes Caroline Wozniacki with her big shiny silver trophy and she's just having a little chat there with chat there with Nick McCarvel who is uh, part of the uh, Tennis Australia broadcast team here and Catherine and I are just you know we're just quietly waiting in the background because you know we don't want to we don't want to get in the way but we're, 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 we're looking at a new Grand Slam champion here and uh, it is richly deserved we're very pleased for her and on that note Catherine I think we should say goodbye to our listeners as uh, Caroline just leans against the railing with the Rod Laver Arena in the background and just reflects on the best day of her life, I would imagine, career-wise. I certainly hope to. The wedding's going to have a lot to live up to, isn't it? It sure is. We have been The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We are sponsored by La Manga Club, the fantastic holiday destination that does great tennis holidays and golf holidays in Spain. We have executive producers of Melanie Bowes and Triple S and tennisballs.com. Plus, we have our little ferret, Charlie the Ferret, as our mascot. We're going to be back after the men's singles final tomorrow. We'll see you then. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.